You're listening to WJMF Radio, the beat of Bryant. What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to Down to the Wire. I'm Brian Costa. And I'm Tyler Tucker. And we have a great episode in store for you guys. Uh, Welcome back. I know it's been quite a while since I've been on the air with you guys. Um, In case you guys missed it just there, your eyes and ears do not deceive you. Mr. Tyler Tucker is back on Down to the Wire, and he is back on Bryant University's very own grounds Tyler, welcome back to the show, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, and thanks for welcoming me back. It's it's great. Absolutely, man. So we got a lot to talk about tonight. We got uh, the Celtics whole situation with Ime Adoka. That's going to be a big topic, obviously, the night. We're leading off with that, but we're also going to be talking about Aaron Judge's home run chase. He's trying to hit. Uh, he's trying to catch uh, 62 home runs right now. That's the big number he's trying to break. Um, we're going to talk about, as well as about a Yankee fan giving back the historic 60th home run ball for nothing in return. And finally, we'll end with some of the MLB's new rules to implement a pitch clock, banning the shift, and so many other uh, discretions. Obviously, thank you guys for tuning in to watch the show. Before we do get started, I just want to say um, you can follow us on all social on all social media, whether that be Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Uh, you know, we're also available on YouTube, and you can find all the links in our in our Instagram bio at down dot to the wire. Um, again, at down dot to the wire on the IG, Tyler. I just got to dive right into it with you. Ime goddamn Udoka. I don't know what this man was thinking, but all of a sudden I get the reports. It was on what Wednesday night or th- I think it's what, when, the, when yeah. it came out and it just goes, and it's basically that. Yeah. Ime Udoka is being investigated and it was just like, Oh, he's, he's going to receive some sort of big suspension. And I was like, what the hell did Ime Udoka do? And then it then the then the initial news breaks and it goes that Ime Adoka was involved in a quote inappropriate and improper consensual relationship with a female staffer of the Boston Celtics and I go okay I understand that you know wor- you know stuff within the workplace that stuff you know people it's it's frowned upon but if it was a consensual relationship what went wrong and then so many people were just speculating and and everyone was saying that this has to be so much worse than it actually is and finally, we did get the answers, at least some of them. And it was that Ime Adoka was making some inappropriate comments towards a female staffer. People caught wind of it, and it got ugly quick. Now, Ime has officially been suspended for the entire 2022-2023 year. Um, the Celtics coming off games, coming off a Game 6 loss in the NBA Finals were you know, two games away from being the champions of the NBA. Now facing this, what are your thoughts? I mean, I'll be totally honest. Right off the bat, when it first came out and, you know, the initial report was consensual relationship, it seemed to be, you know, going both ways. I was instantly like, what's the big deal? Yeah, what's the story here? Exactly. Why why was it being made such a big deal? But as more news came out and the more we learned, it's like, oh, okay. Like, no, like that's a fitting punishment, if not more. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Uh, You hate to see bad press at the beginning of a season after such a great run um but i don't i don't necessarily this seeing this affect like team player to player chemistry i don't think that'll really be an issue but re-gelling the unit as a whole and having you know a new coach learn a successful team that may have been using different methods they could have different mindsets that may create an issue but I, I I'm really unsure at the moment, to be totally honest. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I I 
I completely understand where this is coming from. And when I originally saw this coming out that the Celtics were going to be the people imposing this ban and not the NBA, because if the NBA imposes the ban and the Celtics go, yeah, we didn't want this to happen, but it was out of our control. I can understand that. And it's like, all right, that's a tough, you know, the tough break, but for the Celtics to come down as a team and say, Hey, this violated our team policies. This is so out of hand. We had to get him out of the building. It's like, how bad, you know, really were these comments and possibly even more? Cause I'm going to still probably assume that there's a whole lot more to the story that we do not even know yet. For sure. And, I'm, and yeah. you, you got to ask the question, what team would want to do that to themselves, you know, and exactly you're right for the team to step in rather than the NBA itself. It's, it's an interesting dynamic. Like, I mean, like Ime Adoka came into this school, came in with this squad and like halfway through it wasn't working, but then all of a sudden it clicked. Jason Tatum became like a top five player in the NBA and the Celtics became just the, you know, for a while were just like considered the consensus, you know, pick out of the East coming into this year. You know, typically yeah, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like teams wouldn't it, it, like, if something, if something small came up and it was like, yeah, Ime kind of, Ime was just like, you know, in a relationship with someone, they wouldn't cover it. They wouldn't, they would do anything in their power to cover it up. They would do anything to get out of this situation. Hell for the, for the job he did, they'd probably freaking offer him staffers for what it would for what it'd be worth, but it had to have been so freaking bad. And I'm not agreeing with anything that people are. I, I definitely don't agree with Ime Adoka's actions. I completely, you know, stand against them, whatever you need to make of it. But for it to come to this, like, it had to have been so freaking bad and so toxic that it is just out so outlandish. Now, obviously, what makes it worse, obviously, Ime Adoka is married to, uh, I believe it's Nia Long. Uh, they have a 10-year-old son together. So it's like, that's a whole family dynamic that got screwed up. And I'm just like, you know, people on sports radio were just going, they, they, they weren't even saying, all right, screw the Celtics season. Ime, you ruined your life, dude. Like. Yeah. You had it all. You were dating a celebrity. You had a kid. Like, you had it all perfect. Why did you need to go screw it up? Like, I can't understand what had, like, what was going through this guy's head. Yeah. I don't get it. And, and it seems general consensus now is he's he's going to be done. They're, they're going to part it's, ways with him. It seems like it. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics, I think the Celtics did say that, like, like the, the decision is right now. They'll make a further decision down the line. But it doesn't seem like he's going to be coming back at this point. It It would really surprise me. And. Honestly, this situation, it reminded me a lot of the Alex Cora situation when he got booted out of town. Now, obviously, for different reasons, Alex Cora seems like a great family man. I'm not accusing him of anything in that matter, but he was ousted for cheating allegations. And it was like, all right, he's going to leave for a year. The teams can have to do what they do. And then, you know, that like, you know, in 2021, he'll return to the team. And that's what ended up happening. I don't necessarily see this being the case here. I think that the Celtics go out and they have a good enough quality season they're going to they're going to they're going to either turn to Joe Mazzulla who's been named the interim head coach or they're going to look to get someone new. I don't I mean or the only situation I see in which they bring Ime back is unless this team really falters. Unless that happens, they're going to look in a new direction here because they're going to want to get out get out from this. Yeah. Now, do you think there's a potential route for Brad Stevens taking a step back down? Uh, yeah, you know, I here's the only thing. This is the only way I see that possibly happening, and it's if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown come and come to Brad and they say, "Hey, like during the season, if Joe Mazzulla just isn't the guy and it's just not working out, the only way I see that happening is if they go up to Brad and they end up saying, "Hey, we need a real coach in this locker room. We understand that things didn't work out the last time, but we need a real coach down there calling the shots." That's the only way Brad comes back because. He went up to the front office because he was done working on the court. He was like, he was like, all right, I dealt with all the crap down there. You guys just hired me to hire the next guy. I'm not trying to come back and be the coach. Like I was purposely taken out of this role. We got rid of Danny Ainge and completely blew up the front office. 
because of this. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be that likely that it comes down. I think more than anything, Missoula will hold on to the head coaching role and they look for someone that has like some sort of coaching experience, maybe some like team Intel and they try to like get people to, you know, buffer out that bench. Yeah. Cause I mean, Will Hardy, who was our, basically our number two guy on the bench went to the Utah jazz. So he's out too. So like, that's a big thing that we're now we're missing. We're missing our two top guys on the bench. And I don't know. I was seeing some guys talk about this. I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't know. You, you were saying that you're that hopefully this won't impact the team this year. I agree with you. I think that, you know, you look at a team like the Golden State Warriors, they have Steve Kerr. And frankly, Steve Kerr is a great coach. I think he's great at what he does, but he could leave tomorrow and they'll be fine. Like they have they have the type of you know format in place that I think if he just decided to say, hey, guys, I'm going to retire or, hey, I'm going to take a TV job. They no one would front him for it. And they would say, all right, that's fine. We're still going to go out there and compete. And I don't think their odds would change one bit, frankly. And listen, I think you could like, if you wanted to make that case about the Celtics, that's fine. And I think that the Celtics are heading in a direction to where the coach won't matter that much. And, you know, regardless of that or not, but here's the thing. If Ime Adoka similarly had just said, Hey, I'm going to step away from coaching or, you know, it had been a less dramatic t- like way of him, like leaving the position. I think you could say, all right, yeah, just, you know, it didn't work out. You know, the team's just going to go in their own direction. And if there was no drama behind it, that's fine. But now the drama is all that's going to matter. There are all the questions Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to get is, hey, what are your thoughts on Ime? Hey, what's, hey, would you think that Ime would have you guys in this position going forward? And that's all it's going to be now. If Ime just left and it was no big deal, that's fine. But because it blew up in the situation it was, I'm nervous about this team going into 2022. Yeah, I I think a, a couple issues is just the, the drama in general. We started with the Jalen Brown trade rumors and Kevin Durant and this and that. And it's just so much in the media flurrying about what what's going wrong with yeah. the Celtics. Um, I I think the one thing about the Warriors is it, it, it's a level of age. The Celtics, I think, are just a little too young right now. They really... If Tatum and Brown were like serious veterans who had been through it all, I think they could be the leadership role this team needs. But right now they really need that coach in position to have someone there. And I think he may became that guy at the end of the season. Um, I don't want him back. I, I don't think anyone really does, but we really got to nail down and, and find someone that the team resonates with. And, yeah. you know, who can be that leader alongside, you know, your leaders on the court, like Marcus Smart and Al Horford. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Apparently, Joe Missoula, who was brought in for Ime, is apparently Jason Tatum's boy. Like, apparently, like, they are really good with each other. Now, whether that means he can stand up to Jason and say, hey, man, you got to, like, get out of this. Like, if he's in a funk, he's got to be able to be able to tell him, hey, get, like, get like get right. And, like, basically, you know, talk him out of stuff. If he's just going to be his boy on the sidelines and not have the actual guts to tell him how he feels, then it's not going to work out. Ime was able to do that. Like, regardless of what you think of Ime now, he was able to tell Jason and Jalen, hey, you need to actually get your, you know, your crap together. Like, you actually need to go out there and perform. So, like, he was able to, you know, really type, like, tap into that with them. I don't know if Missoula is going to be able to do that. The most coaching experience he's ever had as a head coach is at a D2 school. I mean, he was at Fairmount State, I think is where he was at. And then he also had some time with the main Red Claws. And then I think there was some other school that he was with. But D2 coaching is the most experience he's ever had as a head coach. I'm sorry. There's a difference between that and being the head coach of the freaking Celtics. Yeah. There's a difference there. So I just don't know how that's going to end up happening. I mean, listen, it's going to be a tough East anyways. I think Brooklyn's going to be recharged, you know, regardless of how toxic that of how toxic that situation is. I think that 
there's there's still going to you know pose a threat to the team this year. I think that Celtics are still good enough to get over them, but the Bucs are going to be back with Middleton. The Sixers are really posing you know as early favorites to really take the uh, East this year. So it's going to be a very interesting year. I don't know how the Celtics are going to really do because you know not only is this situation happening with Ime Adoka, you also lost Gallinari to a knee injury. I mean, which you can make the case that because the Celtics never had Gallinari on their team. They're really never they really never lost anything. Essentially, I mean, it'll yeah. be you know you didn't lose anything from last year's squad. It's not like Gallinari was on the team last year and was like providing all these critical buckets for you. He wasn't. So like you're not that was never it was always going to be a plus. So you're essentially now at a net uh, kind of at a net negative. Yeah, I, I think he was filling something we were missing a little bit with like off the bench scoring. Yeah, but also. To not forget, we did pick up Malcolm Brogdon, too, yes. which is a huge, huge pickup. pickup. So hopefully he's able to stay healthy and really contribute for this team. I th- I have really high expectations for him this year, so I'm hoping he's able to come in and you know fulfill those. The other thing which is nerving, which is kind of unnerving though for me though, is Robert Williams. So it was originally reported that he was going to miss, I believe it was between four to six weeks with a knee surgery. And it was like, all right. You know what? He's going to miss maybe like the first month of the season. That's fine. You know, might as well happen now. So that way, when the actual season kicks off, he'll be good to go. But now it's being reported that he's going to miss. Uh, he's going to miss somewhere between eight to 12 weeks. And he's going to be out for a deep for a good portion of the season so far. And it's like, where the hell did this come from? I mean, you want to talk about an absolute just terrible day to be a Celtics fan. This is it. I yeah. mean, Everything has fallen apart since the NBA finals. I mean, some people were saying that Boston sports has just been a train wreck since Tom Brady left. And I mean, frankly, like it's not looking so good right now. No, no, the, the Celtics. I mean, it, it, it's so it, it's so hard to take just because of where they were and how much potential everyone thought they had this year. You know, I'm not discounting them already, but I think it's going to be tough, you know, entering in the season with all everything swirling over you, you yeah. know, but this is a team that went to the finals last year and we're, you know, not too far away from winning it besides barring a, the greatest Steph Curry performance I've yeah. ever seen in my life. He was insane that finals. Yeah. So he was out of his mind. I mean, listen, I, I gave him props. I think on this show, I was like, Stephen Curry just had one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Yeah. That was the, that was the most incredible basketball performance I've ever seen in my life. So mm-hmm. It's, you know, it was, it was a tough loss to watch, but you also kind of watched greatness as exactly, it was unfolding. Exactly. So there is that part to it. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, part of me is wondering how the Celtics are going to respond to this. Now, in, if I was to, if I was a betting man and I was to say, all right, how do I think the Celtics will respond to it? I think they're going to start off slow because of this. I think that they really are because that's just typical of what we've seen of these Celtics players in the past to where they face any sort of criticism and then, they have like a five game losing streak and something doesn't go their way. And, you know, the players are, there's rumors that the players are fighting in the locker room. Is that going to be what happens with this team this year? I mean, it's typically the history. Now, maybe that, maybe the finals experience is able to take a guy like Jason Tatum and maybe he can, you know, go into the locker room and say, Hey, screw the media, screw all the noise. We're going to go out there and we're going to play, you know, the best basketball that we can. Maybe that happens, but until it does, I, I'm not going to be convinced that the Celtics aren't going to go out there and struggle. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I think it is going to be a struggle. Like how one, how can you not think of that? And two, it it seems. And again, like not, and again, bad. not because not because Ime is gone, but because of the media storm that's going to be created. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. That 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 that's where I think about that. There. Um. 
if you had to give a prediction for me, where do you think the Celtics are going to end up this season? Because after all this, it's tough. I mean, I still think we have a great team and, you know, barring injuries, I, I think we have one of the best teams in the East. Um, I, I think they could get back to the finals, but if they don't figure out the coaching and, you know, the roster and, and some of these drama issues that they have been facing, you know, sure. it, it could drag them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I fear that. I think that it, this team could easily end up with like, I think maybe a second round exit if this get if it gets bad. Now, I think that it if it got as bad as the toxicity got when Kyrie was here and it got dragged down near the end, I think it get I think it could get that bad. Yeah. I think we can still out of this get back to the East Con- Eastern Conference Finals. I think that is more than possible for us. So, if we're able to get back to that and if we even even lose in the Eastern Conference Finals this year after everything we've been through before even the first tip off of the season, I'm I'm going to call it a win. Honestly, yeah. I, for everything we've been through, if we can make it back to the Eastern Conference Finals, I'll call it a win at this point because we've been through so much and we haven't even played a game yet. So hopefully we're able to do that. But Tyler, we're going to hop over to MLB news right now. We have a ton to talk about in there. Really, it's only two topics, but there's so much going on with it right now. And I want to talk to you about Aaron Judge. I mean, I'd love to talk about the Red Sox right now, but the Red Sox, they're terrible. They're terrible. They, 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 I mean, they go from 2021 of being, you know, one of the best teams on the planet heading into the postseason. And now they have fallen off the face of the earth. They are a, you know, they were just playing like an absolute garbage franchise right now. So uh, we're not going to talk about them. Instead, we're going to talk about Aaron judge and the New York Yankees. Cause you know, regardless of the Yankees, they've had their, they faltered throughout the season at certain points, but Aaron judge has never wavered. He is having one of the best offensive seasons of all time, regardless of steroids, regardless of, you know, any era. He is having one of the best offensive production seasons, product production uh, seasons that I have ever seen. I mean, he has been unreal so far at the record at the time this episode is recording um, and people are seeing it live. Um, we have I believe it's believe he has 60 home runs is what he has right now. He's going for 61 and 62 tonight. So, I mean, how have what is what have your thoughts been on Aaron Judge so far? Because he's been blowing my mind. He's been incredible. You know, it's crazy because the Yankees, you know, they had some issues and some depth losses, and it seems like without effort, someone steps in and yeah. always steps up to the plate. And Judge has been playing out of his mind. He's he's been the piece that has held this team together. I just can't believe you know we are talking about the Yankees right now and not the Red Sox. It's it's a shame. Do you think he's juicing? I don't think so. I, yeah. I I think today you can look like that and do it naturally. I yeah. don't think he is. No, I think I I kind of agree with you there. Like, I mean, here's the thing: this isn't like the steroid era where everyone was juicing and like your average and like a guy like Dustin Pedroia would hit, be hitting like 50 home runs in the steroid era. It's like Aaron Judge, and then everyone else is like 15 to 20 21 home runs behind him or something like that. Like people are very far off from where Aaron Judge is. It's not like this is a race. He is just in a class of his own at this point, and yeah. he is just going off. Now, I don't know. He is currently on pace. I mean, you know, he's right now he's on pace to pass uh, Roger Maris's record of 61 home runs. He has a chance to tie it tonight and even pass it tonight against the Red Sox. If he does, I don't know. What What are your thoughts? Like, do you think that I, I know people always speculate about the home run records of the nineties and kind of go back on that. Do you think, do you count those as the official records or do you kind of think that 61 
set by Roger Maris in 61 was like the actual official record. Yeah. I mean, it's I tough. It's tough to look at those records without seeing them tainted. You know, you can even look back on the Astros world series championship. Exactly. Like, yeah. They won a world series. We got to give them credit for that, but they were cheating. So mm-hmm. I don't really think, I, I think judge is going to set the real record himself after he passes 61. I, I think that's, the real record and he will hold it. You, and it. So you, so you don't count Barry Bonds as 73 home runs. No, you, you, you count this as the legitimate record yeah. if he, if he passes yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. So what's interesting about this too, is some people, you know, the, the reason that I don't know if you've known this, but Roger Maris's record of 61 was heavily scrutinized at the time when he broke it. So the reason for that is because when Babe Ruth set the mark at 60, we only played, I believe it was 154 games is what they played at the time. When Roger Maris, when when Roger Maris hit 61, the season had already been extended to 162 games, which is what we play today. So when he hit it, people all people were saying that it wasn't legitimate because you know he he had more time he had more time and games to hit it. With what's interesting with Aaron Judge is he hit 60 before you know in less games than Babe Ruth, and he has a chance to hit 61 right now in less games than Roger Maris did. Wow! So he has a chance to completely shatter that pace. And go on an absolute tear. Now, obviously, guys like Maguire, Sosa, Bonds were, you know, already at, you know, like cruising past this pace. But in our lifetimes, this is the first time that we're ever seeing this happen. Yeah. Which is unreal. Like, it's been, you know, close to 30 years since the home run chase of 1998. It's actually, it's been over 30 years now at this point. So, I mean... Just seeing this on right now is unreal. The closest that we had seen to this point is Giancarlo Stanton, who hit 59. And he came pretty darn close because when he was on the Marlins, he was hitting some absolute bombs for that team. But now that we're seeing this, I mean, Aaron Judge is unreal. I I mean, like the special thing about Judge, too, is just like his frame and his ability to connect his size with the batting technique and just fire through the ball and just hammer it. It's Mm -hmm. incredible. No, it's unreal. Now, I got to ask you. Aaron Judge, I mean, unreal amounts of talent, all this. If it got to free agency, he's been, you know, he's been there. He declined a big contract offer from the Yankees. People are saying like, oh, you know, like, you know, he was very complimentary about Red Sox Nation. I know the other day, if it got to it, would you want the Red Sox to sign Aaron Judge? That's a tough question. That's a tough question. You got to best hitter in baseball right now. Yeah, you got to take away the Yankees bias. So, I mean, yeah, you you, got to take him as long as the contract isn't like ridiculous like it's got to be on par with the big contracts that are getting handed out right now i wouldn't want to lock him down for like 10 10 years years, yeah you know but maybe a five-year deal that's like way up there in money i i could i could totally get down with that and i think he'd be fine to take something like that i don't think he'd be necessarily opposed to that the only thing for me is that like, here's the thing. I would love to have Aaron Judge on the Red Sox because he's the best hitter in baseball and he's, you know, even a terrific outfielder at what he does at his size. Like, I mean, he's just a physical specimen. But the only thing, though, is why are we going to go out there and pay Aaron Judge all this, like, this exorbitant amount of money when Mookie Betts, our star, our star outfielder, who we brought up in our system, was there the entire time. Yeah, I didn't mention that. that that's the thing. I mean, listen, like we had a we already had a premier caliber outfielder. And now because you know the team has gone has gone down the tubes, now we have to go out and we have to get the guy from the Yankees. We couldn't have kept our own guy. And listen, I get that we were in a tough financial situation at the time, but we could have there we could have always done something. And the thing that really irks me is that now that we had to free agency, if we go out and get Aaron Judge, what's gonna stop the Red Sox from saying, all right, yeah, we got Aaron Judge, but 
Uh, Xander Bogarts. Yeah. We couldn't afford to bring him back. So now we're going to have to have, you know, some stiff at shortstop and, you know, Raphael Devers, that's going to be a big contract. So we're probably gonna have to trade him for some prospects. Think for the future. And that I, I can guarantee you that is what the way this would go. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I was hearing some sports talk, uh, guys talk about this and they were saying that Heimbloom would just use this as an example to basically say, Hey, this is why we can't keep certain guys because we went all in and we got Aaron judge. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. But if we're going to deplete our farm system and not not deplete our farm system, we're going to deplete the talent that we have, the young talent that we have and get rid of those guys. I don't know if it's worth it. That, that That's the fear I have, because if we're if it should never be a problem for the Red Sox to go out there and spend money and God forbid we have a bad contract, we end up saying, all right, who cares? We are the Red Sox. We have enough money. We can just afford another one like that shouldn't ever be a problem for us. But it is. And I just fear that the Red Sox are just not, like, I fear what would happen to the all around product of this team if Aaron Judge was to come here. Yeah, I, I think, I, I don't think we're going to see that any type of big spending on any of those guys, unfortunately. No. It's it's tough. And I, I think really the, the culprit is Fenway Sports Group really doesn't care that much about the Red Sox anymore no, because it's all about Liverpool now. It's all about Liverpool. There's not that much, there's not as much money in baseball as there is in soccer and these other ventures. So no, it's insane. There's so much money in it. So like, they're just going to like pour everything they got into it. And I know Henry has said in the past that the money in that area does not, doesn't like, it's like not affected, but you can tell that there's something that it obviously is like, there's obviously a bigger draw happening there. So I don't know what it's going to like, what the end result here is going to be, but it definitely has been really annoying for me. Now, I know with the Red Sox, um, and at least with Aaron Judge down the line, he has a ch- he has this chance to make history. But I don't know if you know this, but none of us may actually have a chance to watch it, and that is because Apple TV has the exclusive broadcast rights for the game. Wow! And I know Apple TV has been causing a bevy of problems for so many people this year. People are not happy with Apple TV. They've been causing, you know, a lot of problems. Like people have just complained, you know, about connection issues and just like the fact that you have to pay for the subscription service to get it rather than just having something available on your own TV. And now, I don't know, it gets to this point and it's like, you're going to possibly forfeit the ability of us to watch history because you want us to download Apple TV. Yeah. I don't know. That's a little extreme. That's a little much for me. I know ESPN will dial into every Aaron Judge at bat, but I don't know. I feel like this should be a nationally televised broadcast. At least just have at least at least just have the Yes Network have these games because this is their local network. Uh, you know, like John Sterling will have the radio call of it, but Michael K at least should have this. I'm not a big Michael K guy, but he at least should be able to get the call of this for sure. And I think for from a overarching baseball stance too you can't make it harder to see these historical moments but that's now, baseball's problem that's what they've always done exactly they've, they always find a way to screw themselves over like this yeah that you have so much attention and so much weight on this huge goal and this not m- many moments you get to make history like this and you know, it should be easy to tune into the game, get those numbers. No, up. it shouldn't be harder. And I mean, there's also a chance too that our Pujols' 700th home run, if he was to hit it soon enough, might also be an Apple TV game against the Dodgers. And I'm like, what are we doing? We are possibly screwing ourselves out of the two, like possible, possibly momentous, you know, not even moments of this season, but, you know, even of this decade or millennium, like, like we are possibly like completely screwing ourselves over right now. And I can't believe that it's come to this. Yeah, like it, it blows my mind. Now, while we may while we may have to pay some money for, uh, you know, we may have to pay some money to get Apple TV. Aaron Judge isn't going to have to pay any money to get that 60th home run baseball back. I don't know if you saw this, but 
when he hit his 60th at Yankee Stadium, it was an all-out brawl for that baseball. And some kid finally, you know, walked away with it. It was like, you know, someone probably our age. And I was like, all right, that ball is gonna that ball could probably sell for maybe two, three million dollars for what it's worth, especially if you get some passion enough Yankee fans to buy it. You could at least could probably negotiate some sort of, you know, playoff tickets or like season tickets for life for, for having that baseball. But instead, this Yankee fan just turns around and says, Hey, I want to give back this ball for free to Aaron Judge because he's done so much for our organization. Wow. And I wow. went and I went, wow. What a kiss ass. I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. I mean, you want to talk about like, I, I'm sorry. I Dustin Pedroia is my favorite player on the on the planet. I mean, I know he's retired now, but he was my favorite player when he played. If Dustin Pedroia hit that home run or hit or hit or I got like some famous ball from him. I'm sorry, Dustin. I am getting my bread. I don't care what it takes. I, I mean, I know that the fan did end up getting, I think it was like some signed bats, some signed baseballs, but you gave up a possible like like life-changing amount of money by just giving him this ball back. Like you could have paid off your student loans. You could have been set for life with the, with uh, maybe not for life, but you could have at least acquired a very large sum of money and handled some, you know, very needed debts that, you know, like you now have to take on. Like, I don't know. Like he screwed himself over this kid. It's very noble of him, but he lost all his leverage when he gave that ball up. He could have mm-hmm. gotten so much more to the Yankees organization for that. Ball. Exactly. This kid could have gotten tickets for life. Like MLB would have done that for sure. They, they, they would have said, yeah, what's one seat in the ballpark? Just give this kid a ticket. Let him go. Yeah. They wouldn't have cared. They would have been like, yeah, fine. He's not going to show up to half those games anyway. So it's fine. Yeah. Like it, it blows my mind that it came to that. Yeah. I'm sorry. That That's ridiculous. I mean, I get that he's done. I, and like, listen, you can make the case that Aaron judge has done when he says Aaron judge has done so much for the organization. What's he really done? He's hit a bunch of home runs, which is awesome. I mean, people like love the home run ball. But has he won them a championship? Has he gotten them super far in the playoffs with this heroics? I think the furthest they've gotten is the ALCS. They haven't even gotten to a World Series with Aaron Judge. He hasn't even won the MVP until this year. He's going to win it, thank God. But, you know, like, what is he doing? Like, I'm sorry, like, what has he done for the team? For sure. I don't know. I don't get that. Yeah, I I totally agree. I I, He is doing a lot, um, but... You're right. He he has not gotten them a, a world championship yet, and that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, I mean, listen, I uh, my, my I don't know why I said that about Aaron Judge. He has the 2017 AL MVP. I don't know why I said that, but someone, yeah, that, that just got in my head for some reason. He has the MVP award, which is great, but at the same time, like that's an individual accomplishment. He hasn't helped the team get to any further like length at this point. So there is that. I just don't get why you know you would just give that up so easily now. Maybe this kid's set for life and he has a, he has like a house in the Hamptons and he's like, and he's like, yeah, you know what? I can just throw this ball away. I don't give a crap. I'm fine. But I don't know if that was me. I would have been like, all right, fighting tooth and nail to get the ball authenticated, just doing whatever I can. And then getting as much money for this thing as I possibly could. Cause it's not even the 61st home run. It's the 60th. Yeah. It tied Babe Ruth, which is an incredible accomplishment, but at the same time, it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. I I don't know. I, that's just me there. But, um, yeah, that, that's kind of all I have for, for Aaron Judge news. But finally, before we do end up closing things off, um, this is a story that I've been meaning to talk about for a while, and it's something that's you know really pissing me off about baseball. Now, I think that there are some possible changes that baseball needs to have happen, and I th- definitely think that you know they can definitely do some things to speed up the game. But there are some changes that baseball is making in 2023 that I am just not a fan of. Now, 
Um, the first thing that they're doing is they're implementing a pitch clock. All these things that they're doing, by the way, have already been done in the minor leagues and they're just bringing to the major league level. Um, in case you guys don't know, the minor leagues are just like, it's basically just a testing. It's like a testing ground for these guys. Like they end up saying, all right, what can we do to like mess around and see like, you know, like what can we do here? And they'll always like mess around in the minor leagues and see, all right, let, let's tinker with this little thing. Let's do this. So um, it's been announced that the MLB is going to implement a pitch clock, ban the shift and have larger bases next season. Um, I mean, listen, I, I, I guess we'll start with the last thing, the larger bases. That's just kind of stupid. I know that, that the players have been petitioning for it, but I'm like, like it's not like they're making the bases softer. They're doing anything like like super crazy. They're just making the bases like three inches like wider, which in my opinion isn't going to do anything. Yeah, that that seems like a weird change. That seems like it's and it was something players really were opting much. for. I don't get that. Maybe more room to land where you slide, or more more room to turn. But yeah, that's an interesting one. In my opinion, sure. that isn't doing anything. I had a uh, you know this guy on the show, Hey Kami, who um is a baseball commentator over on TikTok. Great guy. He's a movie producer. He's you know hopefully making a uh, making a biopic about Tommy John in the future. So, um, he's a really good guy. Knows his baseball, and he ended up saying that it doesn't matter how big you make the bases. It's the fact that when baseball was played back in the day. They used like basically they used to tie down like pillowcases to the like to the dirt. And that's what they used to have the player step on, which was better for your knee because it was like, all right, this is something. This is a nice like 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 kind of like come like, you know, like cushiony kind of bag that can brace your knee as you like plow through it and go and like go through the base. Like it makes sense as to why that could work for your knee. And, you know, this big like rubberized like shell of a base can't. I think that the actual thing you need to do is make the bases softer and not make them like like bigger. That's the, like, that isn't what you need to do there for sure. For like, sure. I, I think that's what, like, that's the first thing you need to do. Yeah. Um, the banning of the shift. I don't know about you. What's, what, what are your thoughts on, on the banning of the shift? I mean, it's, it's weird because it, I think you should I, be allowed. I know, to I know you it. were a lefty hitter, right? Yeah. So, so I, it, it's annoying dealing with the shift, but I, I, you could make the argument that these guys are all professionals. You should be able to hit it the other way. I don't know. I don't, I don't love it, but I don't hate it because sometimes the shift was abused and they would just, you know, peck off right exactly in the spot where these hitters would hit the ball most of the time. It's it's a weird. The team should be able to do what they want to give them an advantage, but the shift is is a weird one because everybody's playing so out of position. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I get it. I I, I can definitely say that have have shifts been like overly used i think probably i think they said tw since 2013 the shifts have gotten out of hand i think is that i think that's when they said they really started to like go up in like popularity and get kind of crazy i can definitely tell you that they're shifting a ton in baseball right now and i do think it is a lot and it's probably way too much than they actually need to be doing and there's probably a lot of analytics and stuff behind it but i didn't ever see a huge problem with it because the especially for lefty hitters because there's one simple option for you and it's not the sexiest option it's not the best option but if you're a major league hitter you should probably know how to bunt yeah i mean listen i'm not saying that it's easy to bunt i've i can definitely tell you it's not the easiest thing to learn how to bunt but you're at the major league so it means it means you know a thing or two about hitting so it means you probably know a thing or two about bunting the ball every now and then i remember back in 2013 robinson cano was playing the red sox he was on the yankees at the time and they had the shift on him. Everyone was everyone was over on that uh, right side of the infield. And Robinson Robinson Cano lays a bunt down and gets a double because he. And think about it. Robinson Cano was not the fastest guy on the planet, 
but it was just so wide open. He was able to get to second base. And you know what? As a Red Sox fan, I had, I, I congratulate him for that. I was like, you know what, man, good for you to be able to do that. Good for you. They should have, you should have someone else over there. Like it should be made for the fact that if you're going to like, if players, especially lefty hitters, if they just, if they just said, screw it, we're going to in protest of this, we're just going to drop a bunt down each time. And you know, we're going to beat it out. The shift would be eliminated on its own. Yeah. If it was done like that, there would be no need for a shift. And it, listen, you don't need to be like like an like a super accurate bunter to get it down, especially like there are some situations where you need to like really place where that ball needs to go. When there's the shift, you don't need to be accurate whatsoever. You just got to keep it away from the pitcher. Like you can just push bunt it and it could be anywhere in that position. It could be a traditional ground ball to the shortstop, but there's not going to be a shortstop there. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like it could be so far out of the way that it's not going to be an issue. So that's my, that's my thing on the shift. I think that, Listen, I, I can understand where they're coming from with it, but there were talks that they were going to like draw a line down the middle of the field. They were going to have like some weird, like, you know, thing going on. And I don't know. I, I, I think that so many things can be considered a shift. Double play defense is considered a shift. Corners in is considered a shift. So I don't know what's wrong with having a guy on that other side of the bag covering it. If you're going to leave a completely other side of the field exposed. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're as a team you're making that decision to have that gap there and on the other side of it and me as the batter i need to know a way way back on this ball hit it the other way yeah what's going to be interesting though now is um guys that are utility players i mean guys that you know typically could play both the infield and the outfield are going to be a lot more valuable now because what you can do is you can now shift your outfielders around at least i believe to there is probably, I think, a rule to where infielders now can't go out on the outfield grass, which I don't necessarily like that rule. But you're going to be able to move around, you know, some some outfielders and have them in positions to where athletically, say, you have a Brock Holt in right field that can maybe make a throw from there. I think that's going to be something that you're going to see a lot of guys do going forward. I think that's going to be something that really, you know, takes over for when the shift gets banned in the infield. You're going to see a lot more guys playing around in the outfield with that, and that's going to be what you're probably going to see a lot more of now. Yeah. I've always loved the utility guys. I mean, Brock Holt was a legend. And- Even Mookie Betts, who came up as a second baseman. So, yeah. like, that's something you could see, too. Yeah, for sure. It, it's, it's like you said, it's interesting with the shift, you know, from both sides. There could, you know, there's a advantage and a defense to it. So Yeah. No, literally. I think that there's going to be some – I think it's definitely going to be interesting next year. I'm excited to see it, but at the same time, I'm not, like I, – I don't want to see it, but I'm excited to see how it's going to look. I mean, Joey Gallo is going to hit like 300 now next year. Yeah. He's going to go off. So um, I don't know how that's going to impact it, but he's going to have himself a hell of a season. But then the final thing, which um, the final big rule, which is being implemented, which frankly, I'm not the biggest fan of is the pitch clock. Now, I know a lot of people are big on the pitch clock. I think that um, at minor league games, they do. They actually keep it pretty subtle. It's never really enforced too much. And guys just know to throw the ball. I, what I'm worried about is possibly the pitch clock impacting games down the stretch. Like if a pitcher like is just taking his time doing something, are they actually going to like, say it's bases loaded and it's bases loaded base. It's bases loaded three, two count bottom of the ninth, like that classic two out situation. And you know, like the pitcher on the mound, like, like waste too long in the pitch clock. Is he, is the ump seriously going to like, is the ump seriously going to call a ball and just like let the runner score and have it be a walk off. Like, I don't know if that's actually going to happen next year. If that happens, like there's going to be some, there's going to be some news stories happening about that. For sure. Yeah. I, I think 
Well, it, it is good because it is helping alleviate the issue of sure. Major League Baseball games are too long and they need to be sped up. But you do raise a good point, you know, in, in clutch moments, the pitcher needs to gather himself, take his time, and he needs a little more than the pitch clock a lot, you know. But that that being said, too, you know, it's it's just an adjustment they're going to have to make. And I think eventually down the stretch, teams will just be used to it enough to be like, OK, you know, we, we got to get this pitch off. No, I will say that. And listen, I, I don't know if I don't know, like when was the last time you've been to a minor league baseball game? They're very fun to watch right they now with, with, all, with, all, with all the rules that are implemented. They're fun to watch and they're very, very fast. Like yeah. a nine inning game there honestly feels like a seven inning like high school game. Yeah, it, it goes very fast. Like I worked as an intern with the Worcester Red Sox Foundation over the summer. So um, I would be sitting down at the foundation table, raising money for people and, you know, doing whatnot. Wasn't doing a ton with the team, but like maybe like, you know, under two and a half hours, maybe three hours max. And like the game would be in the ninth inning, at, like at least it was in the ninth inning. Usually yeah. it would sometimes even be over by this point. So the games in the minor leagues run very fast. So I'm going to be interested to see how this translates to the big league level. I, I think they're boosting fan bases too. Even can we can talk about the yard goats. People love the yard goats. It's and people are starting to really catch on to the minor league game. It's really interesting. No, yeah, it's a, it's a great thing to have now. Yeah. The only thing that I'm surprised this hasn't been talked about more, but it involves the pitch clock. And I think a lot of people are saying, oh, if they're going to implement the pitch clock, whenever it gets down to it, pitchers are just going to step off and basically just reset the clock. Essentially, that's what people thought was going to happen. But there's this part of the pitch clock rule that hasn't been talked about enough and I think needs to be talked about. And it's that basically what's going to happen is whenever a pitcher steps off the mound, they're going to have two pickoff attempts on a runner at first base. So if there's a runner on first, they're going to be able to pick off twice over there if they try to pick off a third time it's going to be ruled a balk and the runner is going to be able to move to the next base wow so it could be a traditional pickoff completely clean but if they pick over three times the runner is going to be uh, the runner is going to be awarded the next base that isn't being talked about at all in yeah. any of these rules and there, it's kind of just been swept under the rug and i'm very surprised by that do you think is this rule going to be enforced in the playoffs too i think so yeah like i, I i'm wondering about that because Something that I was reading an MLB article and they were saying, hey, Trey Turner is going to have like, you know, like 70 stolen bases now because of because of this rule. And I was like, what rule? And I read up on it. And I was like that. I'm surprised that that isn't getting talked about more. Yeah. And I mean, think of it from a runner's perspective. You know, you get picked off twice and you you're safe on both. Now you got it, kind of more of a green light. You can take a bigger lead. 100 percent. You know, at that at that point, like. As a runner, I I was a I was a pretty fast runner back in the day, and you know sometimes you're just told, hey, first move you go, especially on a lefty. If they yeah. pick off, you just gotta like you know beat it out and get into second base. So especially as soon as you as if you're a runner and you get picked off twice, you're literally gonna be like, all right, the second his foot twitches and I'm you, gone. Yeah, you don't even need to even wait for his foot to twitch at that point. You could just wait for him to set up on the mound, and as soon as he's set to pitch, you can take off because if he even tries to step off, it's a block. Yeah, like that. Like, that's the thing. Like, at least that's the way it's being made made to look out at this point. So I think that that's going to be something that's going to get exploited next year. And that's going to be very interesting to look at. Yeah. I mean, with, when it comes to the pitch clock, so that's obviously a rule involving the pitch clock. Um, When it gets down to it, here's the thing. I, I would be I'd be able to make a concession and say the pitch clock is OK in one scenario. And that's if it was only used when there aren't runners on base, because I think. Yeah, sure. If there's no one on base and it's like the middle of the second inning, 
yeah, like I can I can understand just telling the guy, hey, just throw the freaking ball. Like I'm not trying to wait for you at this point. Yeah. But if it's a contentious situation, if it's bases loaded or second and third, and it's like the seventh inning or something, I don't know. I feel like like you gotta let that pressure build. And like yeah. that, like you can't just like squeeze that down and say, Hey, you gotta throw the ball in five, four, three, two. Like, like it's gonna be ridiculous. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of situational play involved in baseball where you have to make determinations before you even throw the pitch and you're right. No, these these second inning pitches with you know two outs and nothing to play for, and ninth inning pitches, they're totally different pitches. You're taking a lot more time. Exactly. So I mean, listen, I think that there's going to be a lot to look at coming into this season. I mean, I am just really interested to see what's going to happen with those rules. I mean, is there anything that you're really looking forward to with the next season in terms of these rules, particularly? I mean, rules and just general advancements of the game. I mean, I I, I hope more attention is paid towards baseball. I, I think they are making steps in the right direction, but still their sure. marketing efforts still haven't been, you know, great enough. And that's they're, the thing. They're working harder at it, but they're not focused. It's not a main focus of theirs. I do like that they are trying to speed up the game and, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing great with minor leagues. Everybody's seeming to love the minor leagues and maybe copying some from there might help a little, but yeah. I think at the end of the day, we all just want to see the game grow. And I think, you know, they're at least making steps in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, listen, they, it seems like they're making steps in the right direction, but I will never, I'm never going to like ever speculate that Rob Manfred won't try to screw something up because he always screws something up. So I'm just waiting for it to all come down and just crash and burn. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we're able to have a pretty decent season in 2023. Maybe the Red Sox can be a little bit better by then at that point too, because what a calamity this season was. We completely fell apart. So hopefully things will be better by that point in our time. So, um, you know, here's to that. But Tyler, I'm afraid to say it, but we are now officially down to the wire. We are officially down <laughs> to the wire. So we're going to review everything we talked about on this Friday night and get you guys on your way. Obviously, Tyler Tucker back on the show here at Bright University. We're in the podcast room tonight because there's just some stuff going on with the live on air studio. So I just wanted to get some of that stuff taken away. So we'll be back live on air very soon. So when we are back live on air, we'll be on WJMF 88.7 HD2 Smithville Providence. You can also find us on WJMFradio.com when we are back doing that. Um, you know, it's the beat of Bryant. So it got a great, uh, got a great gig coming up. So we're going to be very interested. We got some Good stuff coming up for you guys. Going to get some more athlete interviews this year. Some good stuff on the horizon. Now, during the show today, we talked about Ime Adoka not being able to keep it in his pants, just being frank with you. Like, the dude's a dope. So, listen, he's going to be missing the entire 2022-23 season. We also talked about Aaron Judge's race for 62 home runs. We talked about Aaron Judge maybe to the Red Sox. He talked about his home runs. We talked about those momentous occasions, maybe being on Apple TV, a whole lot revolving around him. And then we ended things today talking about the MLB implementing a pitch clock, banning the shift and having larger bases in 2023. All in all, it was a great episode. We were glad to have you guys along for the ride with us today. Um, you know, we're going to try to get back to a more normal broadcast schedule. You know, Tyler will stop by the studio occasionally. We're going to have Tyler Stringfellow back in the stew as well. So we got some great stuff coming up for you guys. So really excited for things that are coming up down, the, uh, you know, down in the world. So really, really excited. But without any further ado from down the wire, I'm Brian Costa and I'm Tyler Tucker. And we hope you guys have a great Friday night. Take care and peace out. W.J. M.F. Radio.